everyone. Welcome. This is Robin Sills from St. Mary's Hospital, Trinity Health of New England. Welcome to another show of Medically Speaking. I hope everyone is doing well. I, Johnny and I have been sitting here for the last few minutes just just solving the problems of the world. Right, Johnny? That's right. Right, solving right. the problems of the world. If, if we could be in charge, we could fix everything. If we could be in charge, we could absolutely. I tell my husband that all the time. That's right. Tell him I told him you're yeah, right. Absolutely. I love my time coming here every other week with Johnny. It's one of my favorite things to do. And WRATR is still one of our incredible gems in our crown in Greater Waterbury. And being able for us as Trinity to be able to do a podcast that we can put on our website and put on iTunes um, and still have our listening audience. I can't tell you how many people tell me that they hear us and I get incredible text and emails so thank you to this team and to you Johnny for letting us make this happen yeah well thank you I mean this is you know this family-owned radio station is just an incredible incredible and and its own its story and and stuff and gets out to to the Waterbury public. So yeah, it's great. It's, and now you have FM. It's a little, yeah, we're on FM in so Southington. So it's even FM, so it's a little further, yeah. so it's good. That's right. No static at all. No static at all. I told you, <laughs> when I could, when I drive to Mercy Hospital, I sometimes get it up there, so that's great. So a welcome again um, tonight. So, you know, October is a huge focus um, for breast cancer awareness, and um, at the end of month, we are going to definitely have on Dr. Beth Sealing, um, one of our incredible breast surgeons who was actually on the news tonight um, and was in the Republican American recently this week with a new procedure she's doing. So we definitely want to focus on that and highlight breast cancer awareness. But when I think of October, I also think of women's health in general um, and having women refocus on themselves with breast cancer being one of the things, of course, that we focus on in our routine screenings. So I'm very privileged tonight to have two incredible guests with me um, to talk about women's health and somewhat of a unique approach that we're working on to put together to have a multi multidisciplinary approach to helping women um, get the quality care they need. So I have on the line with me now, we're going to merge both of you on the phone. I have Dr. Uh, Lisa Weisinger and Diana Sosier Tagliavini. Hi, ladies. Hi, Robin. how are you, Robin? Uh, great, you can both hear me. That's awesome, good. So when we have two guests, we have to navigate a bit. So welcome and thank you for joining us and, and sharing your journey as as healthcare providers um, and especially focusing on women's health. And I want to ask first, I'm going to ask you about yourselves a little bit. I know I'm throwing you a curve, but that's okay. Um, and Dr. Weissinger, I'm going to start with you first. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you for having us. Oh, my gosh. You're absolutely more than welcome. Um, I want to talk a little bit about who you are and what your journey was um, in healthcare. And you're a primary care physician, and you're part of our medical group, the Trinity Health of New England Medical Group, and you're at St. Francis Hospital. Correct. And, you know, women's health for primary care practice. So you, you really do focus on women's health. Absolutely. Well, I think probably 99% of my, um, actually of our, Diana and my um, patient population are all women. Which is really incredible. And I think women sometimes choose to be with a woman provider because I think it's so comforting to them to be able to have the conversations that, you know, give them 
that feeling of she understands me or they get it. They understand. And right. and I think that's, you know, an incredible piece. But you're you've done a lot of other things too. You were actually the founder of the Connecticut Healthcare Advocacy for Adults with Disabilities. <laughs> that is incredible. <laughs> Where did you dig that up? Oh, I got you. <laughs> yeah, so I actually, part of my, my passion, in, besides women's health, um, is to work with uh, adults with disabilities um, and work with them on their, their medical um, and mental health issues. So, yeah, we started that a, a couple of years ago because there's been a significant um, increase in the population of those individuals. We call them IDD, Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities, yeah. um, and very little information from um, the medical schools and residencies regarding their, um, their, their medical issues as they age. So it's been really a, a wonderful labor of love for me to be able to go out in the community and teach community members, not just family members, but also um, I teach medical students and residents also. And what's really nice is that there are, um, with the residencies and the medical schools here in um, Connecticut, they've really begun to to establish this as one of their core curriculums, which wow. is really nice to see. So I'm, I'm glad to be part of that um, that new change in the, in the old guard, as I like to say. That is absolutely awesome. We, you know, there's so many individuals out there, you know, that have needs, special needs. And, you know, for, for families to be able to have a physician that concentrates on that and helps them provide them with the resources they need and not have to struggle, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm grateful for the opportunity. It's been, no, it's been wonderful. We're, we're so proud to have you on our team, and we're so proud to be able to share that information with the community. So for your journey, what... What drove you to do primary care and why focusing on particularly the female population? So I, um, I have always loved um, primary care. I love the idea of the continuity working with patients uh, over a long haul as opposed to um, some of the, the surgeons or things like that who do, who do their job, do their, their job well, really well, and then they pass off the patient. So mm. I love that um, that wonderful um, relationship that I get to have, not just with the patient, but also with their families. Mm. Um, and when we lived in Chicago and I worked at Northwestern, I was embedded into an OBGYN practice there, um, and we worked really, really well together and trying to figure out how to make it work for all the women there, sort of a one-stop shopping approach to women's health care. So that's where that started many, many moons ago. Um, and then I took a 20-year a, a hiatus, <laughs> stayed home with my children, and now came back. That's awesome. Yeah. That is so, so great to be able to, to say that proudly and be able to own that. And so many women feel like, I, you know, I, I have to do this. I just can't, you know, I can't balance it. But to do that and want to do that and say, I need to do this for my family, that's great. And, I, and I'm sure that you have women talking to you about that and give them the permission to do that, right? Well, it's a luxury to be able to stay home. Obviously, the economy is um, is, is a difficult time. Right. And, um, yeah, so I didn't take it for granted. So yeah. I was able to stay home, and my husband um, continued to work. So it was it was wonderful, and it's something that we. Well, I was grateful that I had the opportunity, but I also had to do it. So it, our, our situation is a little bit different than, than right. uh, most people. So um, I, it, it was a wonderful time, and I got to do a lot of community work, a lot of um, education within the community about um, health care needs. Mm. Um, so it, it was it was a good time. I was not in clinical practice, but I was certainly not um, out of the, the medical field. 
And what's changed? So, so during that hiatus, what changed? You know, from the point that you started raising your children, you come back. Are there things that are different? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a loaded question. So right? many things, right? First of all, um, we didn't have computers back then. <laughs> we, we didn't have Epic, for goodness' sake. So, my learning curve was was really steep in the beginning. <laughs> Um, so that that's um, very new, and and I'm and I'm always learning, which is great. Like today, I, I did rounds with um, some of the uh, other faculty members, um, the hospitalists, and the the residents, and I, and I'm thinking, this is fantastic. Where they present a case to you, and then they and it's sort of like, what do you what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? And how fast do you want to do it? And how much money is it going to cost? So these are the things that we didn't really concentrate on way way back in the day, kind of. Yeah. Thing. So it's really exciting for me, and, and, and I absolutely adore working um, and teaching the, the medical students and residents. I think I get um, as much, if not more, mm. from working with them than I do um, just seeing my, my private patients. So I am I'm really, really fortunate to be able to do both, where right. I see private patients, and I also teach um, the medical students and residents. So I, I got to tell you... <laughs> I have a really, really blessed life, and, I, and I'm so awesome. grateful for the opportunity to come back into medicine because I didn't think it was going to be able, I was going to be able to do it. I didn't think I'd ever have the opportunity to go back in. So, well, how lucky are we to be able to get you? So, I'm excited that we have you, and you have an incredible support team with your nurse practitioner, Diana. Hi, Diana. Hi, Robin. How are you? I'm good. So this is Diana Sosier Tagligavini. I want to make sure I say your name correctly. Is that good? Oh, you are... You are dead on. Yes, it's a bit of a mouthful, 17 letters long, but yes. No, well, we like, in the greater Waterbury area, we have a lot of Italians, so we like vowels. Oh, excellent. (laughs) So we do really well with vowels. (laughs) (laughs) We do really well with vowels. So you are a family nurse practitioner, and you know... I'm a I'm a registered nurse, but I see so many different levels. There's APRNs, there's APPs, there's DMPs. So you're a DNP. Can we explain to the to the listeners what that is? Oh, absolutely. So um, I got my doctorate of nursing practice, nurse practitioner, um, from Fairfield back in 2019, and really and truly, it was an extra step that. Um, I took for myself because, you know, you have the option to get your master's degree, your um, an MS, right. um, a master's degree, or your doctorate degree. Um, but really, I took that extra step because I wanted that opportunity to kind of walk into a place and present myself at the top of my game. Um, I have a cardiothoracic nursing background, so I've absolutely count myself as a registered nurse first more than anything um but no i i kind of took that extra year that extra step to get my doctorate degree so i went through the whole um presenting a dissertation doing um, a patient-centered study and that's kind of the difference with a master's degree versus a doctorate degree for a nurse practitioner no and incredibly impressive and and we are very lucky too to have you part of that team so together what would you say your journey is as a team so between you and dr weisinger what what is your focus 
Oh, that's a great question. Um, so when I first met Dr. Weisinger, I just have to say I'm incredibly lucky to work with her. Um, <laughs> from the minute I met Dr. Weisinger, she literally captured my heart. And I was like, I need to work with her. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> basically what the way she presented the position to me was doing something better for women in healthcare. Mm. And, you know, we don't often think as women as an underserved population, but truly I I think we are Mm. as women, a very underserved population and maybe not financially necessarily, but so often, as you said earlier, Robin, we put ourselves second, third, fifth, we put ourselves last and, you know, it comes to a certain point where um, that we need to start putting ourselves first. So when Dr. Weisinger presented this position to me, I was just like, my heart was right there. And that's kind of where our focus has been is putting women in the forefront and making their healthcare journey much easier for them as kind of this multidisciplinary approach and taking care of all of them instead of just piecemeal in different silos and really focusing on one place for a woman to come in, feel comfortable and be cared for. Right. And I, and I, and I so am impressed by what you have spoken about um, today with me, but from what I've understood in previous conversations with you, Dr. Weisinger, about this multidisciplinary approach, and it sounds so simple, but I don't think that we really have ever put our handles around it the way you have and what your vision is to make this happen. So let's, if I can ask you maybe to explain what we're talking about in this approach. Sure. Diana, do you want to take this? No, no, go ahead. This is your baby. I'm just very happily the sidekick that helps make things keep moving. (laughs) The way that that I um, approach medicine, um, and many, many other people do this, is not just... um, just my thing is that we I'm looking at um, the whole individual and how mm. can I fit all the diagnoses and all of the evaluations and referrals into sort of one big group right. so um, we do that a lot and, and the way that we um, approach the new clinics or the women's center clinics that we are starting and have started at St. Francis is by looking at okay so we're um, I'm going to give you an example so we started an osteoporosis clinic back in the spring um, and instead of having just the endocrinologist who is the sort of the leader in the osteoporosis world um, go see the patient um, we put together a group of individuals who will work together to help each individual, each patient. So when you go to the osteoporosis clinic for the first visit, um, she will see the endocrinologist, who's the physician in charge, and she will also see a physical therapist Mm. at that same time. So the physical therapist will evaluate her for any issues in terms of fall risks, any um, equilibrium issues, any problems with... um, gait disturbances, back trouble, et cetera, those things that can actually um, end up um, causing this woman to fall right. and then have a fracture, a, a, a break of the, uh, in their back or their hip usually. Right. And those those fractures can be um, life-altering. Right, in the absolutely. Sense that a lot of women can't go back home once they've, they've broken a hip. Right. They're no longer as independent or mobile as they used to be. So this is life altering for not just the not just the patient, but also the entire family. Who's going to take care of mom? Right, right. Because mom can't live by herself anymore. Kind right. of thing. It's a financial crisis. It's a physical crisis. Um, so we also have a nutritionist there who sees um, all the patients. 
The radiologist who's going to read the bone scans is also a, a very committed member of the, the team and a spine surgeon. So all these individuals work together as one big unit right. within the osteoporosis clinic, which I think is really the way we need to approach healthcare, not right. just individual women's healthcare, but all of healthcare, to figure out how do we best serve the individual. And it's not as easy because we're not all housed in one in one right. group or one particular place. Right. Ideally, that's what I would love to do. Right. Is to have one, one stop shopping kind of thing where everyone comes together. We're all in one building or um, <laughs> one campus kind of thing. Right. So there isn't a lot of back and forth kind of thing in terms of who's going to see the patient and when. So that that is our um, sort of holistic approach right. or multidisciplinary approach to um, women's health care. And we do it for all the clinics that right. we've set up right. and continue to set up. So it sounds, you know, and so it makes a ton of sense. So you can't always have, and I, and I say this to people, when we see certain things on TVs and certain, you know, this clinic or that clinic, or the, people do get this vision that it's in one place. But it's not always that way because sometimes... You can't always make that happen. But what you can do is have a process. So what it sounds like to me, and we'll stick with the osteoporosis, is you as the primary care physicians and yourself, you know, Diana, as the nurse practitioner, you are, you know, ordering routine studies on your patient. And, of course, women go for their their routine um, bone density. And you see that the levels are off, and then you realize, okay, this woman has osteoporosis, and we really need to put her on a plan of care. You've got the process in place to be able to, and then it's quarterback that way, so that the woman doesn't have to make these her own calls, right? So that's kind of how I'm hearing it. Yes. Absolutely. And it's all done within, um, whether it's the osteoporosis clinic in, in the endocrinology building or the car- the women's health heart- cardiology clinic, right. which is housed at the Hoffman Heart Institute. Right. So we've got some really wonderful people who are, who we are working with um, and all, inter- you know, all the disciplines that work. And they're very excited about this new approach and how do we sort of get all the patients to where they need to be in a very short period of time as opposed to waiting, you know, months on end to get everything aligned. So that's all done in the clinic itself. The patient doesn't really have to do anything. Right. So that's all there set up for her. Yeah, And that's what I'm in love with. And you mentioned cardiology. So Diana, with your passion with cardiology, I'm going to pick on you a bit. So (laughs) with your passion in cardiology, how is this a game changer for a woman that you identify has, you know, whether it be through a stress test or or any abnormal abnormal EKG, how does this a game changer for you to navigate? So maybe give me a typical case for one of your patients with an abnormal uh, study that you need to get follow-up for. Absolutely. So, you know, as, as many people know, heart disease is the number one killer for women. And about 80% of women ages 40 to 60 have some sort of cardiovascular disease risk factor, whether that's hypertension, um, diabetes, family history. There's a whole multitude of risk factors. So for a patient who usually comes in, it's usually for something as simple as either palpitations or, you know, they're typically just not feeling well. So what we've really done is worked very closely with a number of um, cardiologists down in Hoffman Heart um, and kind of created this relationship with them where we send that referral, okay, this woman is having palpitations, she's having chest pain, she's just overall not feeling well. 
And, you know, as we know, for women, the signs of um, heart attacks are, are very different than they are for men. They're right. not necessarily the typical left-sided chest pain with radiation to the left arm and into the jaw. It can be something as misleading as lower back pain, stomach pain, nausea, indigestion. So what we've really done down in Hoffman Heart is formed a really close relationship with the cardiologist down there and then started to work really closely with the nutritionist that's based in Hoffman Heart, the exercise physiologists, and become part of their life, life care, lifestyle program and the cardiac rehab program to kind of create this cardiovascular center for women that really focuses on how different it is for a woman to present with cardiovascular disease as opposed to a man. That's that's incredible. And you know, I think one of the scary things is for a patient when they go into their primary care physician and an abnormal EKG is picked up or, you know, there's a concern about, um, you know, cardiac disease that the doctor puts the referral in and then they're sitting home waiting. Mm -hmm. Okay, who's going to call me? What if I have a heart attack before this happens? But it sounds like by putting these processes in place, and now, of course, we're focusing on cardiology and the Hoffman Heart Center, I think that having that in place, it, it takes that worry out. It takes that guessing out for the patient. Absolutely. I think, you know, having... Um, Dr. Weisinger and myself have these really close relationships mm. with, you know, endocrinologists, cardiologists, neurologists. It makes a huge difference because we know the name of the provider we're sending them to. We know when they're going to get a phone call, and we really do can put our full trust in. We know that the, our patients are going to get the best care possible when we send them to the next step. Absolutely. And now we're mentioning the Hoffman Heart Center. I don't know either one of you can comment on this, but um, being that a lot of our listeners are from the greater Waterbury market, the Hoffman Heart Center is based at St. Francis, but our our cardiology service line is regional, which Dr. Rick Sosier is um, in charge of. And he's making some incredible changes within the with in cardiac services and what we're doing, Correct. Absolutely. Anyway, take yes. this over. He's, Dr. Sosier is <laughs> doing some excellent things with our cardiovascular service line. All right. Now, is there a relationship here, Diana? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is. It's, it's very funny to call um, my uncle Dr. Sosier because it's always Uncle Rick. So. Oh my God. I, I'm serious. I did not know that. I'm not even teasing you. I just made that oh connection. See that? I didn't even know. So no one would have known. He's amazing, Dr. Sosier. I just, I just got off the phone with him earlier today. He's so receptive and so, you know, he's incredible to have as a regional leader. And we are so blessed to all the different things that are going to go on. No wonder why you, you did, you did a lot of work in cardiology. Now I get it. Absolutely. Now I get that connection. (laughs) Now I get that connection. Yeah, listen, it's important for people to know and to understand, you know, the one thing I say about Trinity, Trinity is definitely a, a very large organization that's na- that's national. But Trinity Health of New England is a group of hospitals that are so much alike. 
and so mm-hmm. passionate about history and so passionate about their communities. Um, and I can go to St. Mary's, which I did everything and from birth to nursing school to now, and then go to St. Francis or go to Mercy and Johnson and say, wow, it's the same people. And we keep everything very close at heart. And it's, we have physicians and and, um, advanced practitioners that do the same. So we are really lucky. Now, I don't want to switch gears, but I want to talk about a few more of the services that you guys have been working on to create this process. So we mentioned neurology. And Lisa, I'm going to ask you this one um, about the incredible headed clinic and, and things yeah. that are happening there. Yeah. So we are very fortunate here. And again, our physicians who work at St. Francis also, as you know, go out to the other different hospitals mm-hmm. and have, uh, have clinics out there. So um, while we're, while Diana and I are working sort of solely in St. Francis, the subspecialists go out and work in, in the region. And when we get this a little bit more further developed at St. Francis, we will hopefully take this model and move it to the other, um, the other hospitals within Trinity, not just Trinity New England, but all, with all, hopefully with all, uh, within all of Trinity. So that's very exciting. So we have um, uh, the head of neurology. I think, I, I don't even know if that's his title. Yeah, Dr. he's chief at St. Francis. Yep, chief of so, St. Francis. Uh, so Dr. Kumar um, is uh, with Dr. Ellie Sater, and they run our headache clinic um, at St. Francis. And they are wonderful people to work with. Number one is because they're very, very receptive to patients. Um, the other thing, too, is that their approach is, again, with like us, like Diana and I, we like to do that whole multidisciplinary approach. So when you are a patient at the headache clinic, you are seen by a physical therapist also. We also happen to have a neurophysical therapist there. So those individuals who are um, either post-concussion, syndrome or have had um, very, very long bouts of, uh, of headaches, that chronic headaches, which have been sort of resilient to some of the medical uh, interventions in the past, work with, uh, with our patients, especially those patients who have stress headaches. Um, we work with the, they also have nutritionists there, and um, integrative medicine works extremely closely with them. Um, and we've had a great success with, um, with their interventions, all three of them. Um, and they do a lot from um, general medical um, uh, medication for um, headaches, as well as Botox. Um, and they have strict protocols for um, Botox injections for those individuals who have um, difficult headaches, difficult to manage headaches with some of our, our um, medications that we use on a daily basis. So they are uh, and beautiful to work with because they see patients pretty quickly. They do. Um, and and it, Dr. Kumar is amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Diana and I are so grateful because they always send us a note really quick about you know what oh, they did, how, how the patient do, what do they want to do, um, and, and that kind of thing. So, and getting into to a neurologist sometimes, as you know, can be very difficult. It's right. sort of uh, you have to wait months and months. But they have been very wonderful with us in terms of seeing our patients very quickly, um, getting together a plan of care, um, and um, and our patients have loved working with them. Now, Dr. Sater also does some pain management, too, yes. correct? He is fellowship trained in chronic pain management. Um, uh, in fact, I was kidding with him today saying, one of these days you and I are going to sit down and talk to me about why <laughs> you went to, to chronic It's interesting. Pain it's absolutely interesting. I've never seen it, but 
you know, it's it's new to me, but when Dr. Fatahi, um, who is the service line leader, and he, you know, he explained to me, I found it incredibly interesting. I want to get Dr. Seder on and Dr. Fatahi to talk more about it. Oh, they, they, they're wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And the idea of we have so many more modalities now yeah. to treat chronic pain. Um, and as, as Diana can, and I can tell you, chronic pain is sort of the bane of our existence because we had before had so little yeah. um, help that we could provide for our patients. And now with chronic back pain, we have four different modalities at wow. St. Francis that we can call up on any given day to help our patients with, you know, without us having to say, I'm sorry, I, I have nothing else to offer you. Yeah, absolutely. Awful. And you, you know, and either one of you can answer this, but you know, Working with women, women have a lot of different pain or or different discomforts that happen to them, you know, especially with their body changes that go along in a life cycle. And, you know, I'm sure that you both struggle with how do I diagnose, where do I put the patient? You know, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Diana? Diana. <laughs> um, you know, I I agree completely with that, Robin. I think it's really difficult some case, sometimes right. to have a woman come in and say, I have this really terrible stomach pain. Yeah. What do I do? Right. Or I have this long-term untreated back pain mm. um, that I had an injury after giving birth, and what do I do? Mm. And, you know, Dr. Weisinger said it, Perfectly. Before we had minimal options, and now with the big push to eliminate, minimize um, narcotic use, having these different modalities for our patients, working again really closely with Dr. Sater and you know our pain team, has drastically improved a a very large portion of our patients. And you know, I had one patient call me up today and say, "Thank you so much for referring me down to Dr. Sater and you know the new pain team." It's really made a huge difference with my back pain. I feel like I've actually controlled. Wow. So it's it's made a huge difference having actual access to right. providers who can make a difference and not just be like, okay, here's another medication. Take this and see how it works. And, you know, neurology is, you know, and I know we're, I don't want to just focus on that, but we are so blessed because our neurology team has quadrupled in size regionally, you know, and there's so many different services that we can provide now that weren't able to be so to be accessed access before. And as you said, access is a huge issue um, a lot of the times for people to be able to get in. And now that that is definitely much better. And having this this process that you put in place for a multidisciplinary approach, I'm sure it improves that access for you when you are able to to make that happen for the patient. Absolutely. I think it really makes a huge difference. And again, access is very difficult sometimes. So I completely agree that now that we have a few more options, it's making a huge difference. And, you know, I think I'm going to ask you this, um, Dr. Weisinger, but the during COVID, you know, we keep seeing this on the news that women all of us put off our routine health care. And, mm-hmm. you know, what would you say to that now? What are you seeing now? And what would you say that are some of the things women put off? You know, I know we're probably going to talk mammography for sure, but what are some of the things women put off? And what what are you seeing now? 
Well, thankfully, we have, um, Diane and I are seeing a lot of in, in-person patients. That's great. So we have been open up for for months already, and um, we're now seeing a lot of patients who are coming in saying, you know what, I put off um, this. And again, GYN care, mammograms, yeah. um, all the things, and, and, um, and some of the, the other things in terms of dealing with I've had chest pain for you know for for six months but I was concerned about going in so these are the things that that we as women tend to sweep under the carpet saying well you know what I got to take care of my family I got to take right. care of my parents I've got to take care of you know of whomever mm-hmm. so now they're actually coming in and actually being very open about um, I've, I got to take care of what's been bothering me and Diane and I know we have a, a great number of patients who are suffering from anxiety and depression. Really? Um, which has wow. um, which has been sort of an underlying process for a, a problem for a lot of women. Wow. But really has unmasked itself during the isolation time that we've had for the past 18 months with COVID. Um, and those individuals who were sort of rocking along okay, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden this calamity that we call the pandemic hit, um, and their anxiety has gone through the roof. Yeah. So we're seeing a lot of patients who have been who've had issues with depression, and anxiety in the past, who were sort of had good coping skills. Right. Now coming in saying, "I can't cope anymore. I need some help with this." Yeah. So I applaud them for that because um, it isn't easy. Diane and I see a lot of patients that we treat ourselves with de- depression and anxiety, but we have a number of individuals who've had um, trauma in their past. They've mm. got PTSD, whether it's a sexual assault or right. a physical assault in the past. Um, or, or uh, verbal assaults in the past, we're seeing a lot of women who are coming forward who look like you and me. Right. Um, they're in their 50s and 60s and say, you know, I was assaulted um, by my uh, ex-husband, by my you know uncle, by my co-worker, etc., um, that they didn't bring up before because it was, they sort of swept it under the rug. And now all of a sudden, because of the isolation with, with COVID, um, things have been sort of rocked their world and they can't figure out how to cope with um, what's happening now as, as well as what's happened in the past. So we, Diane and I, I, I struggle with that. You know, we have some issues trying to find behavioral health people. Um, Luckily, we hope in the very near future to hire a psych APRN as well as a therapist and embed them into our practice. So keep your fingers crossed. Yes, I will keep my fingers crossed because that is a win-win. And you know, what we mentioned earlier about a woman feeling more comfortable sometimes being able to seek care from someone they can talk to. This is a key point in that, right? Because, you know, you're approaching a a patient in the room, both of you, and you're giving them the freedom and the opportunity to hear them and for you to listen. Right, and we and we have to ask these very important questions that um, a lot of us are. It's a difficult question to ask. Have you been abused in the past? Wow. Have you been assaulted in the past? Um, do you have um, have you have a history of trauma? Most people will not um, sort of bring that forward without you asking some very pointed questions, um, and they're and they're difficult questions to ask. Yeah. So that put you know it puts us um, at sort of a, a, a difficult. Uh, process, but I'll tell you when I first started out working a million and six years ago, mm-hmm. or when dinosaurs walked the earth, as my kids would say, um, <laughs> there was a, a, an executive, a high-level executive in, in a place where I was working. Um, and uh, one of the, the things I ask, oh, I always ask, is um, 
do you have a history of suicide in your family? And this gentleman said, yes, my brother committed suicide when he was 35. And I said, um, is that something you're thinking about now? And he broke down and started crying <laughs> and said, oh, my God, no one's ever asked that question. Yes, I'm really thinking about it. <laughs> um, and, I, and I was so wow. taken aback by that. It had changed my life. Oh, I have goosebumps. Because I'm thinking, thank God I asked that question, right? Yeah. Um, because if I hadn't asked that question, he may not be living today. Right. Oh, God bless. You know, yeah, so it's, you know, it's, it's one of the perks of, of trying to figure out, all right, what do I right. need to do? How do I need to, and how do I phrase that? Right. That it's not offensive to people, right? but it's important to ask the right questions. And, you know, you talked about being able to be with the, the students and the residents and are you able to impart that on them? Oh, God, yeah, I love that. Yeah, good for you. <laughs> you telling my voice, I absolutely love Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think it's also, again, it's not necessarily what you say, but, but how you say it, too, right. right? So you don't want to be judgmental. Right. Um, and I start off when I ask sort of those, those social questions about um, sex and drugs and all that kind of stuff. I said, I, I want to let you know this is a judgment-free zone. I'm not asking mm. because I want to sit in judgment of you. I'm asking mm. because I want to make sure that I help you mm. in any way that I can. Um, so, yeah, we talk about that a lot with the, the medical students and residents and I and a lot of them are uncomfortable asking. I said, did you ask, you know, are they sexually active? Mm. Did you ask uh, about suicidal ideations and things right. like that and, and, and family history? So, so yeah, we talk about it a lot because it's a, it's pervasive in our community. Right. And I would I would much rather be uncomfortable and ask those uncomfortable questions right. than skirt by the issue and realize, right. oh my gosh, I missed something. Right. And one of my patients perished because of it, or um, you know, where we we found him down and someone sort of revived him, et cetera. So, um, and with the what Diana alluded to is that uh, is the this whole. A narcotics issue that we have. Um, a lot of my friends, um, their children are caught up in it. Um, so I, I don't want to bury another 20 year old. Right. I don't want my, my friends to call me and say, my, you know, my son was found down, but thankfully <sighs> he's, they, you know, they, they brought him back. Wow. Um, you, you never get over those things, no. right? Oh. So, um, yeah. It's something to talk about. And it's about, it obviously, it's about listening, you know, uh, it's just about listening. I mean, I've been a nurse for a very long time. I need to date <laughs> myself very long, but I bet it's St. Mary's 40 years. So that'll give you an example. I've been a nurse for a really long time. So when I, when I think back to, to what I learned, you know, you, you think, and I started out in orthopedics. You wouldn't think an orthopedic surgeon would have listening skills. But there was one provider that I learned so much from. And um, he has since passed um, a few years back. But Dr. D'Angelo, I'll never forget him. Danny D'Angelo, he was amazing. He, we would walk in. And back then, you would round with your charts in a cart. <laughs> Sometimes the doctors would throw the dirty dressings at you. It was unbelievable. And you'd have your notepad because, God forbid, they would write their notes, their doctor's you notes, know, write their orders. You're, and you you're have, dating yourself, Robin. I know. I don't care. You have to chase them down. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, it was the best of times. But there was this doctor, and he would pick up on so much. And... Um, he taught me how to listen and he would come out and he would say something. I'm like, how did you get that for that conversation? He goes, you weren't listening. 
you weren't listening. And he would pick up whether it was truly an accident or it was abuse. He would pick that up. He would know. Oh, yeah. He would, you know, he would pick up if someone was really in pain or not in pain. Like he knew. And he knew if there wasn't enough family support. He just knew. And just by the conversations he had. And I learned to listen very intently. So that's what it it sounds like you're imparting on your students. Yeah, and, and not only listening, but also asking the questions. Right. And then listening. Right. Ask, yeah. Asking the right questions. And Diana, do you feel like you learned that too, yourself in school? You know, I have to say it was probably when I was a nurse. And whenever we had to do dressing changes, I would mm-hmm. always save them for like the mid-afternoon time. Mm-hmm. And that's when I feel like the patients told you the most. Right. That's when it was just you and them. It was totally a one-on-one. Yeah. And you would just stand there and they would tell you so much, so many details about their life. Right. You hear the good and the bad. And right. I feel like that's really and truly how I learned to listen is that time I spent one-on-one with a patient and they just sat down and talked to me right. while we did the dressing changes. And it was probably my favorite part of the day, which is why I saved it for last. Yeah, I worked, my favorite shift was 3 to 11, because 3 to 11, yes. 3 to 11, it was quiet. The visitors would go, and we used to go out at 8 o'clock and do all our back care and dressing changes. And I loved doing back care. I loved it because you mm-hmm. just, and it's so hard to do those things now. But I think it taught us really great listening skills. So I agree. And the reason I went down this road is because you guys are providing that at office level. You're providing that within an office setting with patients. And I think that's sometimes a bit unique because I think that we move so quickly through our day and we miss things. Mm. But you are... There's no doubt. Yeah, you guys are highlighting that as part of your practice, listening. Yes. Right? Yeah. Now, we... We talked a bit about some of the, the different disciplines that you're you're working with, you know, with the osteoporosis, the headache, and the cardiology. But I know there's some to come, and one of those is bariatric, right? Diana, take it over. Go ahead, Diana. You got yes. this one. <laughs> yes. So we're working very, very closely with Dr. Kurt Roberts um, and his team at this point to get the bariatric program um, integrated into the Women's Health Initiative. And we're super excited because what they're doing is they're offering kind of a two-prong approach. Okay. Um, and it's great because they're starting with a medical weight loss mm. journey, which then, if needed, transitions into a surgical weight loss journey. Right. And what they're doing is they're taking that behavioral health approach, the nutrition dietary approach, but also adding in and reteaching people how to exercise. Mm. So, again, it's this whole multidisciplinary approach that they're really using. And it is. We are referring a lot of women into this program who want to get more invested in becoming healthier and fit and living a healthy life long term. So, yeah, having the bariatric program up and coming is super exciting. Yeah, and to be able to, you know, I know we, you know, are doing the bariatric program. It's one of those regional service lines. And the really exciting thing, and I love that you highlighted it, is the weight management piece to that. So, you know, it's, you know, we look to the fact that, yes, we we do have this approach 
approach um, for surgery um, for, for, for men and women, of course, that, you know, really need the surgical intervention. But we really put weight management first because even if they are going to progress to surgery, they need those tools after. Exactly. And I think that's kind of the difference in the long-term lasting effect of weight loss is when you reteach those those kind of basic skills of how to eat right, make good decisions, and how important vital exercise is. So I think their whole um, approach to their program is quite incredible. So, you know, if a patient comes to you, um, how do you have that conversation? Because if someone is, you know, really uncomfortable with themselves and 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 it's affecting their health whether it be diabetes and heart disease and you know high blood pressure there's so many different you know uh, issues that happen for being extremely overweight how do you have that conversation or are patients coming to you first and saying i need help um so i guess a great example was today i had um a middle-aged 45-year-old female come in, and she said, I know I'm not healthy anymore. I don't know how to control my weight. What are my options? Mm. So I guess what we've really found is a lot of women are recognizing that they need help, Mm. so how do I get them help? Mm. And so then we go into, okay, there's a whole bunch of different options, and most women want that guidance, and they want that you know, hands-on approach. So when I offer, you know, go through the whole bariatric program and what we're offering. And today she said, yes, I absolutely want to be a part of this. How do I get started? Wow, that's great. So, yeah, so far we've had some really positive um, feedback from the patients. And I know with the weight management piece, they're actually working with um, physicians that monitor them, but also a nutritionist, right? Correct, yes. And then, you know, then they, they adjust, and, and over a period of time, if if they feel that surgery is needed, then we move them, they, they're moved into that for discussion. Correct, yes. I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Weisinger, it's about a six-month process to kind of work, mm-hmm. you know, the patient through the whole approach to weight loss and if surgery is needed. Absolutely. And I do know what I can tell you is, I mean, I've seen so many success stories between the weight management program and people that have had the surgeries regionally. Um, There's an incredible team of physicians that work together to make this happen. And I know they do seminars. So it's great to know that having this approach that the two of you are putting together, you're helping navigate this and getting women where they need to be. Yeah, and again, we talk about that as um, not just a, a, a um, medical issue, but also a behavioral health issue. Right. Women aren't happy because their weight is, you know, they're, yeah. they're up, you know, pounds, whatever it is. So it really it weighs on their psyche. Yeah. And when, they're, when they've got the, sort of that body dysmorphia and not feeling great mm. about what they look like, mm. um, that really sort of weighs on them. So depression, anxiety becomes another big issue on them. So you can help also with um, some of that just by changing the way they eat, um, the more exercise they get, a better lifestyle, and sort of, and then they they have a, a better um, mental health approach to mm. feeling good, being good, um, and, and all that, which makes a big difference in people's lives. 
so we're grateful for the opportunity to work with these incredible um, physicians uh, and um, and therapists in uh, in St. Francis, and we uh, absolutely hope to bring it to the different markets once we get this, this small group um, started. And we've got a lot, we have a lot coming down the pike also. So we've got very exciting things happening in the, after the first of the year. Now, you also focus a bit on GI too. So that's another one of the, the um, I'm going to say disease processes, but, you know, one of the other specialties that you're going to be working with to navigate. And we know women are really bad about going for their colonoscopies and following up with any GI issues. So that's definitely one you're going to help navigate a a plan of care for. Absolutely. That's coming um, hopefully by December, um, depending on um, how how quickly we can move things along. But, yeah, we've got a a bunch of um, physicians, GI physicians, who are very interested in in taking on this new clinic and this new approach. So we're working very closely with them uh, and to make this happen pretty quickly. And we're really excited because the people who are involved are very excited to be in this new initiative. Mm. We've gotten a lot of support from administration on this new initiative. Um, And we just hope to bring this out to the community where people um, in the community can say, oh, I heard about this at St. Francis or at Waterbury. Right. Um, And we really, um, and here's who I talked to, or here's the phone number. So speaking of the phone number, um, we have, uh, I think, a a great opportunity at St. Francis, actually in most of the other places, we have a women's concierge. Mm -hmm. The women in the community can call up this one number and say, "Um, I'm interested in getting some uh, information about the osteoporosis clinic or the bariatric clinic um, or the cardio-oncology clinic um, that's coming. How do I get in touch with them or how do they get in touch with me? So, again, this is the whole one-stop shopping thing. Right individuals in the community and providers in the community can call up and say, hey, um, I hear that you guys have started a a new gastroenterology clinic for women. How do I get more information about that? Right. So the women's concierge um, can help with all of that, whether you're a provider or whether you're uh, a woman in the community. So I think that whole idea of here, let me let me give you one number and I'll take care of all of your questions for you. So I have um, the number here. Yeah. <laughs> so I have it up for us. So it's 833-N is in Nancy, E is in England, so New England. So 833-N-E, woman, W-O-M-E-N. So... 833-NE-WOMEN, or, and I'm going to have to do the math for the number, but... Here, it's six, well, here, 833 Good girl. You think they should have done that on our website, right? They just did 833-NE-WOMEN <laughs> on our, yeah. So, good, you bailed me out of that one, Doc. So, there you go. that phone number is so important because um, currently, um, we do have a couple of people managing that, but I know that there's a navigator out of Hartford, Christina, um, yeah. who can connect women to pretty much any of our services in the Connecticut market. And that's huge. You know, she's going to be able to say, okay, you're looking for a primary care physician. Um In the Waterbury market, we have a whole list of providers for you. You're looking for a primary care physician in Hartford. Here's how we can help you, and we can help navigate that for you. And that's important. 
she's been a gift because um, the the whole referral process is sometimes can be a little bit daunting. Right. Um, but she walks the individual patient through the referral. Mm-hmm. She sends us as providers a note back saying, Mrs. Smith was set up with um, the behavioral health at uh, such and such a place um, on this day and this time. And the patient is aware. So we know that not only did the referral go out, right. but actually it came back. Right. The patient actually has, has a follow-up, which to us is invaluable. So we don't have to go chasing down uh, the referrals. And she works in the Comprehensive Women's Center. So she works with all the breast surgeons there, right. and, uh, the mammography, the breast ultrasound people. And then she refers to uh, people outside of the Comprehensive Women's Center. Right as well as GYN care, right. GYN care and GYN oncology, et cetera. So she's physically embedded with them, um, and she's just uh, she's been invaluable to Diana and, my, and myself. You know, and the one thing that I've learned um, over the years, but very more recently because I'm a little bit in Hartford and, you know, my home is Wadbury, but I, I'm in Hartford a bit. It's really neat to be able to see we have such an incredible community of physicians that work with the Trinity and our community partners. So you just said it beautifully. You know, I know we have some OBGYNs that are our community partners and our part of our hospital all the time. I know there's GI physicians that, you know, are private, but they're part of our hospital and doing procedures there. And we work with everyone. And it's so great to be able to have this collaborative effort, you know, by you leading this initiative, but having both our own medical group, but these incredible community partners to help support it. And, And I can only see it growing. And, you know, we have so many doctors and provider providers in the Waterbury market, too, that are so involved in coordination of care. And I think a lot of it has to do, too, with the ability for us to be able to connect utilizing our own medical health record system that a lot of us are able to utilize together, which is great because you can see everything. It makes things so much easier for us. We don't have to go digging through paperwork or taxes and things like that. So, yeah, and again, that really cuts down the time that that we have to spend looking through the medical record. Again, um, Robin, you and I are about the same age. We we didn't have that. I love it. Back in in the day. Mm -hmm. So it really has made for um, tremendous help in getting patients what they need and and, and really quickly. And again, Diane and I pick up the phone or we send an inbox email to uh, one of our colleagues and say, I've got a problem. I need this patient to be seen pretty quickly. And the answer is universally, no problem. I will fit fit her in. I will double book. Uh, um, It's really been wonderful to work with all of our colleagues in the community as well as the colleagues who are physically at St. Francis. So we have been, I think, Diana, I don't want to speak for you, Diana, but I think we have been very fortunate in working with a wonderful, wonderful group of people at Trinity. Oh, Oh, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. So, believe it or not, we're at the end, ladies. I know. How fast was that? You probably thought an hour would. Yeah. (laughs) We're already at the end. So, I want to invite everyone to please visit our website, trinityhealthofne.org. And um, you can go into the search for the physicians and you can look up Dr. Lisa Weisinger. It'll give you all of her information. And Diana Susier Tagliovini, the same. And you can learn more about them. And please do not forget to also look up. You can put in women concierge program and all the information will come up.
up on how you can actually access that phone number, 833-ANY-WOMAN. Dr. Weisinger, you have the numbers. 833-639-6636. Great job. Well, ladies, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having us. Oh, thank you. And have an incredible evening. Thank Thank you. You You too. Bye-bye. So really great programs. Um, And I invite you again, go on our website, trinityhealthofne.org. This is Robin Sills for Trinity Health of New England, St. Mary's Hospital. I will see you again in two weeks. 